You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. Well, we're going to keep the train on a rolling. And this time, we got a big one. So, it's not going to be some news and notes. I got some news and notes, but we, we got uh, 3, 6, 9, 10, 11 players to get through. That's right, folks. We're doing wide receiver. On the docket today, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Tay Wicks, Grant DeBose, Samori Ture, Jeff Cotton, Malik Heath, Bo Melton, Deuce Watts, and Jadakiss Bonds. Now, again, some of these guys we don't need to spend as much time on. We know who Watson and Dobbs are and Samori Ture. It would be good to get a little fresher just to say, hey, this is what they actually did. This is where they came from, right? The whole thing. Malik Heath, we already did pretty much in depth just a couple days ago, so I don't know if we're even going to touch on him or not. Maybe just very, very briefly recap where he's from and all that. But, um, I mean, DeBose and Wicks, we really haven't talked about hardly at all since they were drafted, so it would be a good refresher there. Jeff Cotton and Bo Melton, we don't talk about very often. And then the two new additions that I don't think we've talked about, but I'm not pos- positive about that. Undrafted free agent Deuce Watts and Jadakus Bonds. So uh, I guess without further ado, we should probably get her started. What's the math on this? How, what, what, what did I say we have? Three, six, nine, ten, eleven of them? Dude, there's no way. <laughs> if this show's going to be an hour long, I get five minutes per guy. That's crazy. All right, let's see what we can do. I'm going to try to do 40 minutes. Because I'll do what I want. Three minutes. Three minutes a guy. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Anyways, why don't we start with uh, what I deem to be at this moment top dog, Mr. Christian Watson. So, Mr. Christian Watson, six foot five, 208 pounds out of North Dakota State. Played 14 games. Had uh, 611 yards and seven touchdowns. Almost 15 yards per reception on 41 receptions. He really only had one game in which he graded out poorly, and that was week one against Minnesota. Starting in week nine against Detroit, his lowest graded game was a 59.4 against Minnesota. So that was his toughest matchups were Minnesota. But again, if you look at starting in week nine, it's 70, 65, 66, 85, 73, 65, 79, 59, and then 88.2. 77.1 overall grade, 77.8 receiving grade. He lined up a surprisingly high, about 32% of the time from the slot, 6.4 yards per reception, 2.26 yards per route run, which is fantastic. Longest reception was 63 yards. He did have five drops, which is 10.9%, which is relatively high. He caught nine of 12 contested catches, which is 75%, which is fantastic. Four missed tackles forced, 28 first downs, 123.3 passer rating when targeted. Again, the guy basically, uh, l- let's look at this. I-, I always say he didn't really play until week 10. Here, Here is, let me show you. So week one, his snap counts, he played 29 snaps. So they put him out there a lot. He drops the pass, what happened? Next week, week two, eight plays. He went from 29 to eight. He didn't play week three. Week four, four he played seven snaps. 
Week five against the Giants, nine snaps. Week eight against Buffalo, three snaps. Which So he missed a bunch of time in there. And go figure, we struggled during that stretch when we decided not to play Christian Watson anymore. Then he gets a tiny bump up to 12 snaps in week nine against Detroit. And then they finally get him moving again. He get bumps up to 22 week 10 against Dallas. That's when he has, out of just 22 snaps, he was targeted eight times. So more than once every three times he's on the field. He caught four of those for 107 yards and three touchdowns. Just 22 snaps. It's still a low number. Then they bump him up to 32, 25, 33, 34, 20, 18 in Minnesota, 30 against Detroit. Seems to be a bit of a correlation between the more we use him and the better he is. But there you go. Again, they played him a ton week one and then they shut him down. They didn't bring his numbers back up until week 10. They didn't see the numbers that he saw week one until week 11 against Tennessee. That was the next time we saw as many snaps as he had week one. So yeah, they they didn't play him. Anyways, despite all that noise, Christian Watson was graded as the 24th best receiving wide receiver in the NFL between Tyler Lockett and Jerry Judy. He was tied for 16th in yards per reception, also 16th in touchdowns. Again, shocking. It's not even 16th, to be honest, because this is just receiving touchdowns. He had, what, like three rushing touchdowns? So that would put him up to fifth. Now, I don't know how many rushing touchdowns these guys had. I'm guessing many of them, these wide receivers was zero. So that would be fifth most touchdowns. Only Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown, and Devontae Adams would have had more. If you look at yards after the catch per reception, the old yak yardage, he was fourth in the NFL with 6.4. Only Jalen Waddle, Rondale Moore, and Debo Samuel had more. If you look at yards per route run, a fantastic metric to tell you how good a wide receiver is, he was 11th in the NFL. Only CeeDee Lamb, Stephon Diggs, Amon Ross St. Brown, Cooper Cup, Chris Olave, Devontae Adams, Jalen Waddell, A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, and Tyreek Hill were better. And that's the other way you can tell it's a good metric, because I'm not reading random names like uh, DeAndre Carter and Russell Gage. Like You don't see that random nonsense in there, because it's a metric that highly correlates to how good of a wide receiver you are, which makes sense. Every time you run a route, how many yards are you getting? If the number's high, you probably don't suck. Average depth of target, he was 13th between Corey Davis and Mike Evans. 14th on the longest reception um, metric, I guess. Drop percentage, he was 98th. Again, that's an issue. We know that. However, as I've pointed out before, there's quite a few good receivers who have drop issues. Jalen Waddell has almost the same percentage. You know, Jamar Chase, as I mentioned, had a massive amount of drops. Jerry Judy is kind of droppy. Christian Watson was second highest in contested catch rate. Only Darnell Mooney was higher. And if you look at passer rating, he was the third highest. Third highest wide receiver. Only Marquise Goodwin and Isaiah Hodgins had higher passer ratings when targeted. He's a little one spot ahead of Stephon Diggs. And that includes all of the downtime, all of the nonsense. And then if we look at just week 10 on, which again is when they started using him again and he was able to show what he can do, he was the 12th highest graded wide receiver, both overall and receiving. He had an 81.6 overall grade and an 82 receiving grade. For reference, Garrett Wilson had an 83 receiving grade. If we go back through it, yards per reception, he was eighth. Touchdowns tied for number one with Devontae Adams, and again, that does not include the rushing touchdowns. So from week 10 on, he was that dude. Yards after the catch per reception, he was 11th. Yards per route run, he was third between Justin Jefferson and Devontae Adams. Average depth of target, fourth. Longest reception, eighth. Drops, still bad, but not as bad, 86th. 
and then 11th for contested catch rate still at 75%. But there's several that are just 100%, like Jamal Agnew, Sky Moore, LaVisca Chenault. They are at 100% because they're one for one. So yeah, Watson's pretty freaking good. And his first real, I mean, his first statistical breakout game was obviously week 10. If you look at the great, and they only gave him a 69 receiving grade on that game. If you look at his first breakout game, as far as his grades are concerned, it didn't even come until week 12. And there were three games total that he graded out really well in that short span, weeks 12, 16, and 18. With week 18, his final game of the season being his best game. Six targets, five receptions, 104 yards, 88 grade, 90 receiving grade. So that's Watson. Moving on to Romeo Dobbs, similar situation, fourth round pick, pick 132 in the 2022 draft out of Nevada. If it wasn't for week 18, we could say there was a similar trajectory between the two wide receivers. Reason being, starting in week 8 is when his grades really start to pop, but the worst game of his entire season came week 18, two targets, zero receptions, etc., etc. But he played roughly 12 games played a ton of snaps in these games, unlike Watson, where there were some in the 13s or whatever. He had really high snaps almost every week. 25 snaps week one, which is less than Watson. Then that does go down to 13 in week two, but then he's right back. 35, 36, 38, 50 snaps against the Giants. 38, 32, one snap against Detroit, where I believe he got injured. Yeah, week nine, and then he didn't come back until week 15. And it was um, 11, so they kind of eased him back in. Then 26, 13, 13. So it looks like the, a lot lower snap counts. I don't know if that's just because of, you know, Watson kind of establishing himself and, and he couldn't really kind of get back into the rotation, but he was playing quite a bit less. Overall, in those games, he accounted for 42 receptions, 425 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, as far as his grades, 62.6 and a 62 receiving grade. If we wanted to look at kind of how he stacked up on the season, especially on the per, you know, snap kind of things um he was 87th in yards per reception uh touchdowns i guess we could look at even though he only played about a half a season he was 46th tied for obviously with three his overall grade he ranked 84th so we're kind of talking about as far as the grades go sort of like a mid to low end wide receiver three which again is why i'm tempering expectations receiving grade 84 he was sandwiched between Mac Holland and Michael Gallup, which I know sounds good because Gallup has been good in the past, but was not last year. Uh, yards after the catch per reception, he ranked 34th. Yards per route run, he was 60th. Average depth of target, 75th. If you look at drop percentage, he was 93rd, basically tied with Christian Watson. Contested catch rate, he ranked 83rd. And passer rating when targeted, he was 42nd. So, I mean, it is what it is. There's some great reports about Romeo Dobbs. He's got some, certainly some potential, no doubt about it. He's a talented dude. He's got some great rapport with uh, Jordan Love, which might end up helping quite a bit. Obviously, he was injured last year, and, and we heard from Matt LaFleur that it seemed like he never really fully returned to form and that he's back to form now. So I'm granting all of that, but I'm just telling you, based on the information from last year, if we can just get him to be a decent number two wide receiver, that's a pretty big upgrade, which would be fantastic because I have some relatively high hopes for Jaden Reed and some really unrealistically high hopes for Christian Watson. Next up, let's skip Jaden Reed and go to Samori Ture since we're looking at all the second year guys. So Ture did not play a ton. He, he didn't get his first uh, opportunity until week seven. 
Uh, I think when Dobbs went out, I think is the the timeline here, but weeks 7, 8, and 9 is when he saw a little bit of a spike, 15, 14, and 25 snaps. During that time, he had one reception for four yards, one reception for 37 yards and a touchdown, two receptions for 34 yards. Um, Then his snap count kind of went back down, eight snaps. He had no targets, no receptions, three snaps, no targets, no receptions, two snaps, no targets, no receptions. Then he had a little bit more opportunity with 10 snaps against Chicago, he had one target, one reception for seven yards, and then he had three, six, and one um, opportunities with no targets, no receptions in any of those three games. So if we leave out week seven, eight, and nine, he had like 33 snaps, and out of that, he had one reception for seven yards. Overall, 87 snaps, 80 receiving routes that he ran. He had five receptions for 82 yards and a touchdown. He had a 49 PFF grade and a 50.8 receiving grade. Six foot one, 191 out of Nebraska, by the way. Seventh round pick, pick 259. It's hard to compare Samori Ture because he only had the nine targets, so you have to really lower the, the numbers here. But if you pull up PFF and you look at the 165 receivers that had nine targets or more, Samori Ture was the fourth lowest graded wide receiver in the entire NFL. He graded 162 out of 165. Again, the hype train for Samori Ture, a little silly. I, I really don't mean to be overly negative, but I, I just let me just say it as plainly as I can. This guy's never going to become a premier receiver for anybody, including the Packers. Can he maybe be somewhat of a role filler somewhere for some reason? Yeah, I suppose. But with Watson, Dobbs, and Reed... And then we got DeBose and Wicks, and we got some other undrafted guys that are coming at us. I, I just, with the tight ends and the running backs, you know, again, the only reason he really got any snaps is because we, we just had a bunch of injuries. And he came in, and as soon as, like, Dobbs came back, he was just done. He didn't hardly get thrown to. And the hype train around Samori Ture is because of one relatively deep pass for a touchdown, and everybody lost their mind. And again, I remember this exact same thing happening with Geronimo Allison. There was one big pass to Geronimo, everybody freaked out, everybody was all in, Geronimo's this great this, that, or the other. He literally graded out as one of the worst wide receivers in football. I don't know how else to put that. We're talking five receptions. It's a much more crowded wide receiver room. It's a much younger and more talented wide receiver room. Do I think he makes the team? Yeah. Do I think he's going to be on the team for a long time? I don't know. We'll have to see how some of these other guys do and how aggressive the Packers are at continuing to bring in wide receivers. If they if they even bring in mid-round wide receivers, I think there's a chance Ture gets pushed out. If it's nothing more than 6th, 7th round and undrafted free agent guys, then maybe he can hang on if he can elevate his game just by virtue of having been here for a while. Now, granted, caveat... It's possible that I'm wrong, but look at the track record of seventh round picks. Look at the fact that he graded out as one of the worst wide receivers in football. What more do you want me to say? We'll see how big of a step he takes, but you got to also understand there are very limit. There's a limited ceiling here, and so I fully expect Watson and Dobbs and Jaden Reed to be ahead of him. In fact, I think all three of them already are. I think there's a possibility Grant Debose ends up as a better wide receiver, although he's coming at a disadvantage because he hasn't been in the system for a while. But as of right now, he just needs to be a little bit better than the third worst wide receiver in the NFL, and that's not impossible. And that's forgetting about Dontavian Wicks and the undrafted free agents, which we tend to fluff off. But at the same time, there, there isn't a huge difference between undrafted free agents and seventh round picks. And right now, guys like Malik Heath 
are making hay while Samori Ture is just not. So, uh, do Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Samori Ture all make the team? Yes, I believe so. It's possible Ture doesn't, but somewhat unlikely because I think they're going to want to hang on to him because, you know, they've invested in him. They drafted him. They put some work into him. They're seeing the progress. They want to see what it, you know, they want to see if he can meet his ceiling. And if he can, then, you know, maybe there's something there. Not top 10 wide receiver potential, but if you can be a solid number three or even a number four with this group, then so be it. If you can be that Geronimo Allison, I guess, you know, who's there just in case, you know, break glass in case of emergency kind of thing, then great. But I, I just, I'm rooting for him. Just like everybody who's a Packer, of course, you're rooting for them because you want the players to be good. That's important for being, uh, you know, good football team but i mean just i'm just looking at the odds from every single angle and they're so unbelievably low for him he would be breaking every single mold that's that exists to my knowledge i i cannot think of seventh round picks that come into the nfl perform exactly like you'd expect a seventh round pick to perform and then suddenly boom top 30 wide receiver it's just it's not a thing Anyways, we'll get off that and move on to uh, one of my new favorite Packers, <laughs> Jaden Reed. Am I hyping him up a little too much? Probably. Do I care? Not so much. So five foot eleven, one hundred and eighty-seven pounds, ran a four-four-five theoretically, but I forget what the Packers said they clocked him at. It was it was significantly faster. I believe it was in the four threes. He has very good speed, very very fluid, real nice route runner good hands, really good sort of returner mentality with that turn up the field and get some yards after the catch. Um, last year was not his best year. He kind of broke out in 2021 and then kind of went back in 2022. was dealing with injuries, missed some games. But the 2021 tape, which is what the Packers focused on, and this is common with a lot of our draft picks, especially this year, uh, that, that sort of really honing in on one year. He, um, How many games did he play here? He played 13 games, uh, 59 receptions, 1,026 yards, 17.4 yards per reception, and 10 touchdowns. The yards per reception is nuts. Um, In one game, he had 45.3 yards per reception, and another one, 31.8 yards per reception. And know that those weren't like one or two receptions. It was four receptions averaging 45 yards and four receptions averaging almost 32 yards. Uh, And 10 touchdowns if I didn't say that. So his college production isn't going to blow anybody away. The, the grades via PFF are not going to blow anybody away. But he's basically a six foot, 190-pound, blazing fast route runner. Um, the projection as of right now is that he's going to spend a lot of his time in the slot with uh, Watson and Dobbs on the outside. I have already stated that I would be surprised if Jaden Reed didn't emerge as sort of the number two slash number one. Um I wouldn't be surprised if he ends with the most receptions among the wide receivers. Again, Christian Watson, I think, is the most talented, but I think his play style means maybe slightly less receptions. doesn't have to be that way, but more of a, a deep threat, stretch the, the field. If you're running more short underneath routes, you're not stressing the defense. Although, with Jaden Reed, you can also stress the defense. Oh, and Musgrave. So that'll give you some opportunities to not have Watson just sailing down the field every play. But I really wouldn't be surprised with that if that, if that was the case now there needs to be he needs to get in the book he needs to understand the offense he needs to make sure the coaches are comfortable with him being out there regularly especially since they're kind of cross-training him as a slot guy and an outside guy which i'm sure there's some nuances and differences and understandings of things he's gonna have to get on the same page with jordan love 
and that's where Romeo Dobbs is right now. So even though I, I, I don't have as high of an opinion, it sounds worse than it is, I don't have as high of expectations for uh, Romeo Dobbs as I think the, the majority of Packer fans do, I do acknowledge that he is kind of miles ahead of Jaden Reed right now. I think Reed has a higher ceiling. I think he's, you know, he's he's faster, he's shiftier, he's got better hands, he's got better after the catch. Just he's an upgraded Romeo Dobbs in my opinion. But Dobbs has the quarterback, he has the coaches, he has an understanding of the offense. He plays with a lot of heart. He's got the discipline. So Reed's got some work to catch up to him, but I I really hope that he reaches that ceiling and is able to emerge as the the guy that he should be. If if everybody was at their ceiling, this would be sort of your number one wide receiver as far as just being your go-to receptions guy. Christian Watson would be somewhat more of your big play guy on the other side, and Dobbs would kind of be the rotational. You know, if you're going, you know, he, he rotates generally, but also when you go three wide receivers, maybe kick Jaden inside and have Dobbs as your number three. None of this stuff is set in stone, but generally speaking, that's kind of how I would see it. Quick refresher on Dane Brugler's guide, just so we're all up to date. Jaden Reed, Michigan State, he had him as his number 10 wide receiver on his board. He did grow up in Naperville, Illinois. We got a couple of Illinois guys, so that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. He is 23 years old, which is a little on the older side. Um, He is one of three players now on our team that has lost their father um, at a young age. Jordan Love lost his father. Jaden Reed lost his dad. And uh, I believe it was Tucker Kraft also lost his dad at a young age. Jaden's father, Sabian, died of kidney and heart failure during Jaden's sophomore year in high school. As a result, his academics kind of suffered, which caused teams to kind of overlook him a little bit. Did graduate with a degree in communications. And then we scroll down to the summary here. A three-year starter at Michigan State, Reed was a perimeter receiver in offensive coordinator Jay Johnson's offense, although his senior year fell short of expectations because of injuries and the Spartans' offensive struggles. He accounted for 46 explosive plays, 20-plus yards, over the past two seasons and became just the third player in school history with multiple punt return touchdowns in the same season. Reed has outstanding foot quickness and skillfully throttles his route speed to separate from coverage. Despite dropping too many easy ones, his focus is heightened and contested windows, and he shows a knack for timing his leaps and snatching the football off the helmets of defensive backs. Sounds a lot like Romeo Dobbs. Overall, Reed will have a tougher time overcoming his slight size for NFL defensive backs, but his speed, route tempo, and downfield ball skills are the ingredients of a potential NFL playmaker. With a few technical tweaks to his game, he has NFL starting ability, slot and outside, and adds value as a return man, which is another factor that I didn't mention. I do think, although it, it's maybe 50% or so, that he is going to end up being our punt returner. Especially early on, if Romeo Dobbs still remains as sort of that number two guy, then you definitely want to squeeze as much value out of Jaden Reed as you can, getting him on the field as a punt returner. Now, it's possible Nixon has that job as well as kick returner, but I, I think they would like to split that up. And it makes sense to have Nixon as your kick returner and Jaden Reed as your punt returner. That's that's my thought if I had to guess today. Well, let's continue on. We're going to stick with the uh, the newer guys just because there's a little bit of a flow. There's two guys that aren't necessarily brand spanking new that we need to discuss. But let's move from that over to Duntavion Wicks, or as he likes to be called, Tay Wicks. Sounds like a weird cleaning product. Tay Wicks. Or one of those um, prescription drug commercials. Ask your doctor if Taywix is right for you. But anyways, we might as well start with this. Dontavian Wicks was actually wide receiver 19 on uh, Dane Brugler's board. So just nine spots behind our guy Jaden Reed. 
He actually graded him as a third to fourth round prospect. As a refresher, we got him in round five. But six foot one, two oh six, runs a four six two. Uh, round five, pick one sixty one. Grew up south of Baton Rouge. As I mentioned before, big basketball player. That was kind of his passion. His brother kind of pushed him into the football field, and come to find out, he's really freaking good at football. Um, he did run a four six two at the combine. He ran a four five seven at his pro day though. So he was able to improve that a little bit. Summary that he wrote, two-year starter at Virginia, Wicks was the ex-receiver and head coach Tony Elliott's pro-style spread offense. He put his name on the early-round NFL draft radar as a junior with a school record, 1,203 receiving yards, including 27 plays of 20-plus yards. But his senior year was the opposite in terms of production, as he struggled to match his junior year's success while learning the new offense under Elliott uh yeah under Elliot. Wicks's basketball background shows on the football field with his, his athletic movements, body length and ability to elevate and out rebound the football. However, the concentration drops are a glaring issue and he must buckle down on the finer points of the position to maximize his talent. Overall, Wicks' evaluation is complicated because of the night and day difference between 2021 and 2022 performances, but the raw talent is there for him to continue ascending as he polishes his game. His development potential will understandably capture the interest from NFL teams in the top four rounds again round five and so yeah i mean the again similar to a lot of the other players we have there are issues in terms of it's not necessarily just four years of dominance in 2019 he didn't really play a ton 2020 he didn't play 2021 he has his breakout season 57 receptions 1200 yards nine touchdowns 21.1 yards per reception 79 grade 80 receiving grade 3.25 yards per route run which is beyond stupid 128.5 passer rating next year he drops down to a 59 grade and a 58 receiving grade he has nine drops which is 23 percent he only manages 430 yards and two touchdowns 1.45 yards per route run and a 59.4 passer rating when targeted so again the packers are betting on the upside they say hey 2021 that guy that we saw is a talented wide receiver He has a ton of potential, but what the heck happened in 2022? New offense, I guess, could be part of the issue, but also the drops went through the roof. Seemed to be a little bit more of a lack of interest, perhaps. But again, just in terms of raw talent and what he's able to do, he really is impressive. If you do some digging, he's one of those guys, I remember I watched him, um, I think JJ kind of brought him up to me first, and was like, hey, some people are kind of high on this guy or whatever, what do you think of him? So I, I pulled him up and I just pulled up 2022. I didn't really dig into the whole, you know, uh, good year, bad year thing. I just pulled up whatever I could find and I watched him. I'm like, this is terrible. Like, I, this guy is awful. I want nothing to do with him. Well, of course, then you find out. Actually, that's not true. I, and I, this is on the podcast when I went through and, and reviewed guys. I mentioned the guy's terrible. And I was like, but there was like these two plays where all of a sudden your jaw kind of hits the floor. Like, what the heck was that? So there's something there, but you just very rarely see it. And then you go back to 2021 and you see it a lot more often. So we will see. I mean, in all reality, if you just look at ceilings, if you just look at talent and potential, he's on the Dobbs tier, right? We've got really Watson and Reed on one tier, Dobbs and Wicks on another tier, and DeBose and Samori Ture on another, along with some of the undrafted free agents. So we'll have to see. I mean, I, I, my thought, although this is my thought on Christian Watson as well, is that he's going to need to take a little bit of time. He doesn't have a ton of experience. Again, he didn't really start playing football until high school. Then he goes to college, and um, I mean, he has 90 receptions to his entire name. He played essentially two years. 
and then like two years of high school, the guy's played football for four years of his life. There's, there's some development to be had here. So I'm thinking it might take a little while to, to really refine some of the talent, but I think the talent is, is a, a really high ceiling is what I think. The speed is a bit of a limitation, but just in terms of really solid route runner, big physical guy, I think he could do some damage. It's just a, it's just a long road, I think, to get there. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break right here. Come back and take a look at Grant DeBose and a few other fine fellows. Before we do, I want to give a shout out to Corey John. Thank you so much for hitting me up on Venmo. If you want to support the podcast, you can do just the same thing on Venmo at Packernet Podcast. Also, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, where you can support the podcast for as little as $1 per month. Be greatly appreciated. Also, please remember to uh, check out the pinned tweet that I have on Twitter to um, help out a family that is desperately in need. Thank you so much to everybody that has already jumped in and supported. We have cracked the $5,000 mark. We're at $5,220 with 58 donors. So it's some fantastic momentum we've got going here, especially in the off season where there's not quite as many people listening. But please, please, please check that out. I will try to remember to do another round of sharing just to make sure it kind of gets in the front of everybody. But remember to check that out. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Alrighty, why don't we move on to Mr. Grant Dubose? Played for the Charlotte 49ers, uh, 21.9 years old, 6 foot 2, 201 pounds, seventh round pick, pick 258. Pretty solid stats. Again, smaller school, but uh, nothing terrible. Grades are solid. Uh, 76.8, 71.6 were his overall grades the last two years. 76 and 73 were his receiving grades. But uh, last year at Charlotte, pretty similar to the year before, 793 yards, 12.6 yards per reception, and nine touchdowns, um, 1.87 yards per route run. It was better the year before, 2.34. Average for his career is 2.07. Pass rating when targeted, 95.4. DeBose is actually kind of a cool story um, because he really just, football basically just wasn't a thing for him, or it was about to not be a thing for him. He was not ranked by any recruiting services, had no scholarship offers, and then finally two weeks before the 2019 signing day, he got an offer from D2 Miles College. Then DeBose elected to transfer because Miles College canceled 
football in the 2022 season. He went back to Montgomery, Alabama and worked three part-time jobs, including working at Walmart. And then after sitting out 2020, he had an opportunity to try out at Charlotte on the recommendation of a childhood friend, James Foster, who was the backup quarterback at Charlotte. And so he was able to impress them enough to get on the 2021 squad. And then after 2022, DeBose initially was going to enter the transfer portal, looking to maybe get a better opportunity of football somewhere else. But he said he woke up one morning and the light bulb came on to enter the 2023 draft. He accepted his invitation to the 2023 Senior Bowl. And now, he's officially a Green Bay Packer. The summary, a two-year starter at Charlotte, DeBose is a perimeter receiver in former offensive coordinator Mike Carney's balanced scheme. After his career was in limbo during the pandemic, he found a home in Charlotte. We already talked about that. DeBose owns a good size frame and plays even bigger with his natural ball skills and mid-air adjustments regardless of the coverage, but even with hesitation routes or double moves, he will struggle to create early on vertical spacing against NFL-level cornerbacks. Overall, DeBose plays with the body fluidity and catch point talent that increase his chances of finding a permanent home in the NFL, although he has work to do to be considered more than just a jump ball weapon or zone beater. He has rotational value as an NFL rookie. He graded him as a fifth or sixth round prospect. So we haven't heard a ton about the guy. Um, We'll obviously find out a lot more during training camp, hopefully get some good news from him. Again, my expectations for a seventh round wide receiver are low, but the more, you know, you throw, trying to think of a polite way to say it, you're trying to throw something at a wall and see if it sticks. And the more stuff you throw, the more likely something is to stick, whether that's Samori Ture or DeBose or one of these other guys that we're about to talk about. I'll tell you what, we did actually already talk about Malik Heath. You can find that episode a couple days back. He's in the title somewhere. Pretty sure. Not positive. But if you're really curious and you haven't heard it, I think I am going to skip Malik Heath because we already kind of did a deep dive on him. But we talked about him because he's kind of showing out in OTAs and getting people excited. Um, Let's move on to the two guys that I don't think we've talked about at all. Undrafted free agents, Deuce Watts and Jadakiss Bonds. Again, guys that we haven't heard a ton about in OTAs necessarily so far. I mean, it's, it's very early, and we only had public access to about a third of the practices, so it's entirely possible some of these guys have shown out and we just haven't seen it. But anyways, uh, just for the sake of random draw, let's start with Deuce Watts. So not a ton of information. Deuce Watts out of Tulane. Um, he was ranked as uh, Dane Brugler's number 82 wide receiver. Six foot one, one ninety six, four five five is what he ran as his forty. Had a seven two seven three cone. Blah 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 blah. One of the guys and one of the websites you can always count on is Pro Football Network. If you can't find it anywhere else, uh, really smart guys over there that just cover a ton of people. I've always been able to find it here. Um, but Deuce Watts, here's what they had to say: strengths, weaknesses, and overall. Athletic receiver with next-level measurables who flashes ability, has nice length, long arms, and big hands. Follows the quarterback across the field, lays out or extends to come away with the difficult grab and uses his frame to shield away defenders. Please, advertisement, get out of my face. Tracks the pass in the air, competes to come away with the catch, then keeps the play in bounds to pick up positive yardage, comes back to the ball out of, out of routes, extends his hands, snatches the ball away, so he's a tryhard. Displays quick, strong hands, solid route runner who separates from defenders. Uh, out of breaks weaknesses never turned in outstanding production for Tulane plays to one speed despite his 40 time does not always come away with the difficult receptions overall Watts possesses the physical skills and measurables to be a number two wideout on paper and he shows that ability occasionally however he's been very streaky in college and never elevated his game 
Watts comes with tremendous upside and could surprise people if he puts it all together in camp, or he'll end up a player who bounces from franchise to franchise and never sees the field. This sounds very much like a Green Bay Packers pick. Really low floor, relatively high ceiling. Again, on paper, he has the ability, if he can meet his ceiling, to be a number two wide receiver. And look, that may only be a, let's say, 5% or 10% chance, but what happens when you swing at a 10% chance 10 different times? You're going to hit on one. And considering how low value these undrafted free agent, seventh-round pick type guys are, you just keep swinging at these types of guys. Eventually, you're bound to hit it. And by the time you get to, you know, five of them or so, it starts to shift in your favor in terms of it's more likely somebody hits than doesn't, which is why I think 10% is probably too high. All right, let's turn our attention now to Mr. Jadakus Bonds. Actually had him, uh, Dane Brugler had him just a couple spots ahead of Deuce Watts at 79, but six foot three, 206, little bit bigger of a wide receiver, ran a 4.63, also had a 7.32 short uh, three cone and 4.38 short shuttle, so the agility stuff not the best. In fact, none of this is really that good. <laughs> uh, played for Hampton. So very small school, not great measurables and all that, but yeah. again, it's just one of the, this is sort of what the, the opposite of what the Packers usually do, but it's what I've always been wanting, even though I'm probably wrong about it. You should just go for the high upside type of guys, but football players where you look at it and go, I don't know why it works, but it just works. But uh, again, very small school over at Hampton. However, grades out very well, 74, 80, and 80 over his three years overall. Um, his last year, 51 receptions, 863 yards, 17 yards per reception, and 10 touchdowns. Had 2.58 yards per route run on, as a career, 2.71 yards per route run. Uh, like everybody else that's a Packer right now, somewhat of a drop concern. Uh, about 50% contested catch rate, which is adequate. 91.6 passer rating, career passer rating when targeted of 108.6. Again, nothing but Brugler, but let's turn it over to Tony Pauline. Here's what he had to say about Jadakiss Bonds. Nice size receiver with terrific speed, he says. Plays to his 40 time. The heck is his 40 time? You have a good pro day or something? I don't know. Uh, Makes the reception at full speed and displays himself to be a terrific vertical receiver. Adjusts to the errant throw and reaches back and grabs the ball from the air with his hands. Works routes, displays good route discipline, and has strong, stout build. Comes back to the ball out of his breaks, works his hands to separate from opponents, and keeps his head on a swivel as a blocker. Weaknesses unnecessarily lets the ball get inside at times or uses his frame to cradle the reception. Gets tall, exciting routes. Doesn't extend his hands to offer the quarterback a target. Really doesn't work hard if the play is away from him. Sounds like he's the exact opposite of Deuce Watts. Uh, Overall, Bonds has the size and speed to play on Sundays and comes with large upside, yet he's an athletic receiver prospect who needs a lot of work on his overall game very confused by the athletic part maybe it's just i i don't know he didn't test super great that's all i'm saying anyways the final two wide receivers on our team are jeff cotton and bo melton real quick take a look at mr jeff cotton played for the idaho vandals was picked up as an undrafted free agent by the la chargers in 2020 um the guy was kind of a stud he had a 68 grade and only 254 yards and four touchdowns his first season with idaho then 88 receptions, 1,138 yards, and 7 touchdowns, 90 overall grade. Um, Again, small school, but he freaking dominated. Then Cotton ended up in Jacksonville in 2021. In the preseason, he had 7 receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown, had a 70 grade. So not a terrible outing in 2021. 
2022, he was again with Jacksonville, but nowhere near as impressive. Uh, in the four games that he played, 13 targets, just two receptions for 16 yards and no touchdowns. He had just as many drops as he had receptions. And it sounds like a terrible quarterback. Then in uh, November of last year is when the Packers picked him up. So this will be our first time kind of coming around and taking a look at him. But he's 6'2", 204. Um, according to Dane Brugler, he ran a 4.47, which is actually pretty impressive. So 6'2", 2.06", 4.47 speed. He's kind of built like a legit receiver. But that's all I can really drag up on the guy. And again, we'll just kind of have to circle back around in training camp and see how he's doing. Obviously, we're getting into the deep long shot territory here. And finally, Mr. Bo Melton. He was, uh, well, let's, let's backtrack a little bit for Mr. Bo. So he got picked up last year by the Seattle Seahawks. They ended up waiving him that August and then picking him back up on their practice squad that September. And then in December, Green Bay signed him off of Seattle's practice squad. But uh, Bo Melton was actually on Dane Brugler's guide, wide receiver out of Rutgers. He had him as a fourth or fifth round prospect, 5'11", 189, runs a 4'3", This is why, by the way, big fan favorite. It's been kind of quiet. You know, we haven't talked about a lot of guys and... You know, there's been some hype for some other players and a lot of distractions going on, but I think a lot of Packer fans have been really high on Bo Melton, and these are the reasons, right? He was a mid-round prospect that runs in the, I mean, I guess mid-4-3s. So really impressive athlete, and obviously this is the kind of thing that you, I, I think part of the reason guys like this get so much hype is because you want them to succeed right it, it's i mean obviously we all understand that 434 doesn't necessarily translate into being a good wide receiver however sure would be cool if it did but he was actually dane brugler's in last year's uh you know the year before's draft 20 number 20 wide receiver which i think well who did i say was number 20 before wasn't it like dontavian wicks so he had them on like equal footing although it was probably a bigger better wide receiver class in 22 doesn't matter but uh, he played for Rutgers. As I said, it's a big family tradition. His dad was a wide receiver at Rutgers. Um, his mother played basketball at Rutgers. That's where his mom and dad met. His older brother, Gary, played defensive back. Well, not at Rutgers, but he played defensive back. His younger brother, Max, is a rising junior cornerback at Rutgers. And this was, again, written in 2022, so I don't know what he's doing these days. Uh, he took advantage of the NCAA's extra year of eligibility, went back for a fifth season in 2021, opted out of the bowl game, accepted his invitation to the senior bowl, in 2021, he had 618 yards, three touchdowns, five drops. Overall, four-year starter, outside receiver, offensive coordinator Sean Gleason's balanced scheme. Despite never reaching 650 yards in a season, he led the Scarlet Knights in receiving three consecutive years and became the 10th player in school history to reach 2,000 receiving yards. With his body control and multiple gears, Melton is skilled at forcing defenders off balance and coverage, creating opportunities for himself at the stem. There is a level of craftiness to his game, with and without the football, but his size, play strength, and contested catch skills all fall in the average category. Overall, Melton's production and performance were impeded to a degree because of his college offense, but he checks boxes for speed, savvy, and competitive toughness, which should translate well to the next level, fourth or fifth round grade. The only real action we've seen uh, 2022, last year's preseason, he did play three games um, for Seattle. He had 13 targets, 7 receptions, and 89 yards, 12.7 yards per reception, 57 grade, 55 receiving grade. Oh, he was a 7th round pick. I'm sorry, I said undrafted free agent. He was a 7th round pick. I don't know where I read that. That was wrong. Anyways, somebody else's 7th round pick. So we got three 7th round picks all fighting for a spot here. 
So I guess we should actually put Bo Melton on the same tier as Ture. In fact, was he drafted before Samori Ture? I think he was. Yeah, Bo Melton was drafted 230 in the 2020 draft. Samori Ture was 259 in the 2020, uh, 2022 draft. So that's funny. And again, when it, it, it it's, I think it's actually going to be relatively tough. It depends how many wide receivers the Packers decide to go with. If um, we look at Brian Gutekunst's time here, almost every year, with the exception of one year, he went with six wide receivers. In 2020, we went with five. Is it possible we bump that number up at all? Probably not. Are we going to see less than six? I would just flat out say no. So as, as convoluted as this is, it's, it's relatively straightforward. Relatively. We'll see. Watson, Dobbs, and Reed, 100%. After that, you would assume it's Dontavian Wicks, Grant DeBose, and Samori Ture. But I don't necessarily know that because Grant DeBose and Samori Ture are seventh-round picks that haven't proven anything. Bo Melton is also a seventh-round pick, right? That was drafted actually ahead of Samori Ture in that draft. So you got three seventh-round picks right there. You've also got Malik Heath, who's been doing some stuff. you got Jeff Cotton, and you've got two undrafted free agents that we got to see what they can do. So, I, I mean, it feels relatively comfortable saying it's going to be Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Wicks, DeBose, and Ture. But I, I just don't know that it's quite that simple, especially since a lot of these guys, Grant DeBose can probably sit on a practice squad and it's not going to be the end of, the, of anything. Granted, Seattle probably thought that about Bo Melton also, and then we stole him. But I don't think it's going to be that critical if a guy like Bo actually shows more than, for example, Grant DeBose or Malik Heath does if, if they end up winning those jobs. So there's a little bit of a competition there. I, I think for sure we've got four locked up. I don't think Wicks is going to go to the practice squad. So I think we're going to have those four, and I, I feel relatively comfortable that Samori Ture will also be there. Although, again, it's not as 100% as I think a lot of people would think that it is. It's probably pretty close, but not 100%. And so it kind of just comes down to, is Grant DeBose going to be able to separate himself enough to say, you know, you drafted me, which matters. I'm a rookie, so you don't want to give up on me yet, but you got to show something. So, anyways, that that is my assumption. I, I think that is going to be the six with, you know, Bo and Jeff and Malik and Deuce and Jadakus, kind of, uh, some of them going to the practice squad, some of them just going bye-bye. Anyways, I was able to rip through that a lot faster than I thought. I think I covered everybody. Didn't cover Malik Heath, but again, we did that already. But I'm going to leave you guys with that. I will talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>